0: Welcome to the Wing Chun Podcast, the Sifu's Stories, the place where the world's most renowned Sifus share their stories and insights. I am your host, Bogdan Ho Dan We are live with uh, Sifu Mark Phillips from uh, London, Wing Chun, and the star of uh, the Fight Science YouTube channel. Sifu Phillips. Could you please introduce yourself um, to the audience and just let us know how did you start Wing Chun? What was your drive and um, how how did you actually discover the system?
1: Well, firstly, hello and thank you for inviting me. Uh, uh, that's a that's a really good question. Actually, uh, I started in 1986, which now seems like a, a long time ago. Actually, it was just a little bit before that, and. Uh, it was partly because I had friends that already were training, I think it's, it was a social thing. And bearing in mind in, in those days, not many people trained Wing Chun and it was, wasn't as well known as it is now, wasn't as popular. So the only way you would find out about it was really via friends. And luckily I had a couple of friends that actually trained Wing Chun. At the time I, I used to do uh, Judo, I was a Judo, judo player. And uh, I wanted to do something more striking based and one of my friends happened to train at the local Wing Chun school. With uh, Master James Sinclair, who incidentally is still training and still teaching, and uh, he said, "Look, you know, I've, I've been out of training for a while. Do you want to come down and, and, and give it a go?" And I just I went along. I didn't really expect anything, uh, and yeah, I mean, thirty years later, or thirty plus years later, I'm I'm uh, you know still going. So it's yeah, you know, it's been a journey. It's been eventful, uh, but it was really just through. It wasn't something that I sought out. I didn't look for Wing Chun in particular. I just happened to stumble upon it and, uh, you know, develop the passion passion for it as I went along.
0: That's very funny because a very, I had a very similar situation as well. I was looking for a karate school to continue my training because I was studying in Crete. Right. And um, it was all by chance. You know, I tell my students that actually Wing Chun chose me, not the other way around. And I... And I think that applies to a lot
1: of martial artists, right? Actually, I, yeah, I, I would definitely agree with that. I I actually use the same phrase as well. Sometimes, you know, I'm not, I think you're spot on. I, I I didn't really seek to do it. I just wanted to do something, uh, and it just so happened. And even when we went to the first class, it was an open day, and and. Uh, James Sinclair was demonstrating Wing Chun, talking about it, and I already knew I wanted to train. I wasn't, you know, I, I was there basically because I was, I was interested in in training the, you know, learning how to defend myself. Really, that was that was the goal. So, uh, and I haven't looked back since. And you know, since then, I've had many years of training. I, you know, I was a young lad then. Uh, it's been my full time career ever since. So I haven't really had any. Uh, other opportunities and it's it's been a great experience anyway teaching so this is this is basically what I've been doing I've grown up actually literally grown up from a teenager into a into a young man into a man just doing Wing Chun all my life so uh, I'm, I'm lucky there aren't many people most people have to have a daytime job I've just been doing this uh, you know all day every day for for decades now so you know it's, yeah it's, I
0: can feel the gratitude and the uh the joy in um, yeah. in your yeah. voice
1: yeah definitely i mean I'm, I'm i'm very lucky and blessed really to be doing something i actually love doing so uh yeah and, and also the people that i meet along the way because you really do meet some wonderful people uh and i get to spend a lot of time with them and it's you know, it's, it's great to share your knowledge and and talk to people and and especially when people share a passion it's it's, it's nice to be surrounded by
0: and um, what I noticed from from your bio that you also have an extensive fighting experience as well. It's not just that you um, you became a teacher and just started teaching Wing Chun, but you've actually tested it out.
1: Yeah, well, in the 80s, I mean, I'm going to sound really old now, but in the 80s, <laughs> there was more of an environment. The way that we were trained uh, with our Wing Chun was to to test it, and it wasn't necessary to test it to go out and start fights or what have you it was always a challenge what we were being taught uh, and put it into application and the philosophy was very simple that you know we learned Wing Chun and you should be able to use and apply Wing Chun against any style of martial art whether it be karate boxing I mean boxing was the the, the style of the day if you like the combat sport of the day I mean we didn't have MMA it didn't exist in those days uh, in fact a lot of the lads I used to go to school with were boxers or uh, and, uh, you know, karate guys and what have you. So, you know, the, the philosophy of the way that we trained was very much train Wing Chun, uh, and, you know, Wing Chun being as it is, a conceptual style, it, it can be used against anybody, and we didn't have this sort of limitation that I could only ever apply Wing Chun against another Wing Chun guy. It was It was definitely an environment where we trained to apply it, and I think most people do, but... Nowadays, I think the younger generation forget they spend so much time with some of the tactile exercises, T-Sao being one of them, that they forget that, you know, you've got to engage someone that potentially might might be kicking, punching, coming at you with with a style that you're not aware of. So we actively sought, you know, an ability to exchange and and, uh, touch hands, if you like, with other other styles of martial artists. And that was common in the 80s because, don't forget, nobody knew what Wing Chun was, so there wasn't any YouTube, uh, there weren't any videos, so if you met someone who did karate, it was great. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> had no concept of Wing Chun what we were trying to do, so uh, yeah, they'd always say, "Yeah, let's spar, let's do this, or let's, you know, let's have a go." And invariably, you know, you you would. So a range of combat experiences. Uh, you know, unfortunately, the environment as as well. At the time, we used to have a lot of challenge fights, mm-hmm. from other, you know, from other styles uh, and from other from other schools as well. What would you say was the most
0: valuable experience or most valuable lesson that you got out of of sparring and out of these uh, challenge matches?
1: To be honest with you, the preparation, not so much the actual matches or the events, it's more the preparation because if, for example, you're preparing for, uh, I don't know, a match and you know it's going to be in you know, six weeks or four weeks or what have you. You know, there's a lot of a lot of, a lot lot of preparation that goes behind the scenes. Uh, you know, there's obviously your physical training and there's your fitness training. And nowadays, I think in modern martial arts, they call it a fight camp. But in those days, we didn't really have a fight camp. We didn't really know what that was. I mean, bearing in mind, uh, you know, we didn't regard ourselves as professionals, but in hindsight, we obviously quite clearly were because we were training – you know, we were training every day. My, my actual regime was I trained six days a week, on average six hours a day. Uh, Bearing in mind, I didn't have a daytime job. This was my job. So I used to train in the morning. Uh, I'd have about three training sessions a day. Uh, typically in the morning, we'd train for uh, for a couple of hours. I'd either do some T-cells, some sparring, uh, and then in the afternoon, we'd usually do a PT, physical training session, go to the gym, then go to, for a run. Uh, and then in the afternoons, late afternoons, typically uh, what I'd either do is do some form work or some shadow boxing because I'd be on my own at that stage. And then and then uh, get some rest, something to eat, and then off to, off to class, off to teach, basically. So that was the sort of environment that I was doing every day. Uh, and I think, you know, you have days when you wake up and you don't want to train because you're exhausted or you're... Injured. I mean, at one point, I remember I was training training seven days a week like that, and it was impossible. I just couldn't, I couldn't really keep it up. So I had to cut it down to six days, and then sometimes I would have to take an extra day off. But but the key thing you learn is is not to give up. It's that staying power, even when you don't want to train, which mm. believe not happens. You know, I won't. Anybody that says I wake up every morning and I just want to dive on my wooden dummy and train is. Uh, <laughs> You know, <laughs> when you do it every day, it's, it's, it's like anything, it, it's hard work.
0: It's like so, eating steak every day or salad every day.
1: Exactly, exactly. So, you know, I, I essentially I think the biggest thing that I learned from those experiences was that you've just got to keep pushing on, and, and you can't, even when you don't want to train, you have to do something. And these days, I have students that they hit walls in their training and the progression. And rather than switching and trying to train something else, uh, they give up. And what I mean by train something else, for example, if I've got a student and he hits a wall maybe in his T-cell his Gorsau training or something you know, that's not working for him, yeah. I usually say to him, look, go and work your forms or go and train your footwork or you know, spend some time on, on other aspects other than that, and that mm-hmm. will give you a whole new focus. Uh, it will give you a whole new sort of... Uh, intuition for what you're doing as well because especially if you're training footwork so uh you know i do find that nowadays people are quite easy to say look i don't want to do this anymore it's not fun and and then they move on so what i've learned from those experiences is that you don't have the especially if you're training for a challenge match you don't have the benefit of saying i don't want to train anymore because if someone's gonna you know if you're gonna have to face off against someone uh all you're going to do is you know an event then you know it's down to your preparation so uh yeah, yeah. awesome
0: i'm sure there are a lot of people who are very passionate about wing chun right now they're listening and they're saying you know uh, that's never going to happen to me i'm always going to be training wing chun i don't care about plateaus i'm gonna overcome them how do you actually when you do hit those uh, those obstacles how do you surpass that and keep going and keep improving
1: I think rest is also... Someone said to me recently that uh, rest is an important part of training. Taking time out is an important part of training. And bearing in mind, I'm very old school in the sense that if I have an injury, I will train, mm-hmm. <laughs> which is the first thing ever to do. You should really rest. So anybody's yeah. listening to my words, please don't follow my example. <laughs> Make sure you rest. But the point... The point being is that it was told to me in that context that you know a rest is as good as your training, and it's very true because what happens is you training isn't just physical, it's, it's also uh, mental as well. You no, know, it's psychological because you absorb information and it takes a while for that information to, to sink in. Yeah, yeah, and we would call it
0: digest
1: the information. Exactly, and that takes a period of time to be able to do that. I mean, yeah. one of the things, if you're left alone for a long time, you're left with your own thoughts and you start to think about what you do. So when I hit those you know, plateaus or when my students hit those plateaus, I mean, I'm used to, me personally, after 30 years of training, I'm, I'm pretty used to those plateaus and I, I understand the process. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's not, they're never really plateaus, they're steps, yes. basically. You will shoot up and then you'll level off. Mm-hmm. And then you'll shoot up and then you'll level off. And that goes over a period of time. So people think they're a plateau, but they're not. And the biggest problem I find is that students tend to compare themselves to other people. Yeah. So they think it's a plateau because they're looking at other people and saying, well, this guy's doing this or this guy's better than me. Uh, and that's the worst thing you can ever do because it's your own personal development.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, there was a saying, I think it was somewhere along the lines of a rock that you step on to raise yourself or that you stumble upon is still a rock. It depends on you what you, uh, what you call it. Right? Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. So, um, what is, um, what is Wing Chun t- to you and what keeps you going
1: today? Now, that's a good question. This is a thing, I get this I get this question quite a bit and you know, fundamentally it's like breathing to me, because it is really just my it's been such an integral part of my life that I don't know any different. Uh, so I don't have to pretend to do Wing Chung in that sense, it's because I train uh, and it is it is essentially what I do so it is like breathing it sounds really odd to say that but I don't know any different and I think if I couldn't train anymore I would be a completely different person you know personality wise uh, you know I wouldn't be the same person anymore because it is it's very integral to me and, and, and my personality and the way I think and the way I do things uh, and it's not just you know, it's part of being the process of a martial artist, but obviously I teach Wing Chun, so that's, that's really you know, part, part of that. Mm-hmm. That's interesting. I,
0: I tell my students all the time, in the beginning, you um, um, you learn Wing Chun, then later you do Wing Chun, and then you become Wing Chun, or Wing Chun becomes you. So yeah, what very true. Cool. What is, um, let me ask you, what is your favorite Wing Chun-related story, and uh, could you share it with us?
1: Okay, well, Wing Chun related. I mean, there's lots of stories within the community, but, you know, on personal experience, I think uh, having to think about it, my favorite one really is visiting different schools and doing you know, demonstrations. We used to have a, a demo team in, in the late 80s, and we used to travel around the country in the UK doing demos. and. Uh, you know, it was it was always interesting to, to watch people's reactions to what we did, because bearing in mind in, in the late 80s and early 90s not many people knew what Wing Chun was there, there wasn't the films to the, the famous trilogy uh, that didn't exist, so therefore, when you would turn up at a sports centre, a town hall or even a public event and you were doing Wing Chun, people were, were, were amazed by it and almost certainly, you know, seeing short distance power and punching candles and Definitely blindfold training is, is probably the, the thing that fascinates people the most. Uh, and one of my favorite stories was that uh, we used to do these events, and uh, I was invited to a Kokushinkai. Personally, I was invited to a Kokushinkai school, which, uh, if anybody doesn't know, is a, a form of karate, but it's a very, very tough style of karate. These guys are, are super tough. Uh, super hard guys, and they deserve a lot of respect. Mm-hmm. And uh, the instructor, very hard guy, he was a, a doorman at a local nightclub. Said uh, said to me one day, "Come to my school." So I said, uh, "You know, I was I was trying to be brave. I was only a young man. I think I was about eighteen at the time, actually." Uh, and I said, "Okay, fine, yeah, we'll come to your school." And uh, I knew what they were like. Kokushinkai guys like to fight, like to spar. So, uh, I said to my friend, I oh, looked, you want to go? And he said, Yeah, yeah, I'll come with you. We'll go. We'll show them some winship. So, we turned up and uh, we waited outside the hall and we looked through the window and they were lining up. And I'm not joking, I'm six foot two, but these guys, they must have started at six foot two and gone up to six foot six. And they were two times wider than I was. And these guys, you know, they're very, very disciplined, so disciplined that yeah, they. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, they don't flinch, and and kokushinkai guys. If anybody knows anything about them, they punch. They they have a fighting format where so they punch full full pelt in the middle of the chest, the sternum, and they also kick quite hard as well. So uh, we turned up, we waited outside, and we just thought, what are we what you know, what have we let ourselves in for here? And being young men as we are, and quite proud of doing Wing Chun, we thought, right, okay, we're going to go in there and show you some Wing Chun you know secretly thinking oh dear what have we you know what what what's happened but the brilliant thing was we went in and we trained and and you know they were nice guys but the story the moral of the story was that we ended up showing them uh to get us out of anything we ended up showing them some blindfold uh t-cell training yeah. and they were so impressed they were you know really impressed and fascinated by that that uh you know they took us out for a drink afterwards and and uh you know, it was it was great. We made some friends at the time. I mean, it was a very very long time ago now, but but that was that's a fond memory, I would say, rather than a you know a memory of any sort of altercation. But it's it goes to show how you can bridge gaps with with enthusiasm and and bravery as well. To step forward. That's very interesting because
0: I think a lot of people have that kind of feeling when uh, maybe they're visiting other Wing Chun schools, right? Yeah. And they're thinking, you know, what's going to happen? Are they going to If I'm, you know, if I hold back, what's going to happen? Are they going to punch me? Should I punch them or something like that? And then because you're stepping in that situation with a bit of fear, you don't know how you're going to be treated or how you're going to be welcomed, which, which actually leads to one of my next questions. What do you think that we can do as a community so that we can more easily learn from each other and work together?
1: I think definitely share information. Uh, there is a problem within the Wing Chun community of a lack of sharing information, which I find quite sad. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you've seen you've seen our work on YouTube, and we're very open with what we yes. say. Yes. And quite often people will comment and, and ask me, why do you give so much information away? Well, why no. not? Why not share what we do? Yeah. It's for the, you know, it's for the benefit of everybody. Uh, what 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 is the problem? And if you look at other communities, for example, the Brazilian Jiu Jitsu community, they are very often sharing information, uh, reinventing what they already know, testing it, mm-hmm. and then publishing their results on YouTube and other platforms as well, and saying, "Hey, look, you know, we 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 modified this slightly, we've done this, and had this success." And they're continuing to develop and develop and develop. And I find, you know, at the moment in Wing Chun, we have a mindset that that. Uh, we should only be staring back at the past and not at the future, which basically means that what someone, what uh, a Wing Chun practitioner would have been doing, if you like our forefathers, would have been doing 100, 200 years ago, we should be doing now. Yeah. But that doesn't necessarily, you know, I am I have a scientific mind. Uh, I'm critically thinking trained. I'm trained to be a, a critical thinker. And one of the things I will say is that, uh you have to move forward and times have changed. And I think for us to look back and say, this is how we used to do things hundred years ago, is going to, apply like now, is, is, is short-sighted. Yes. So I think moving forward, it would be good to exchange information in a much more open way, yes. much less guarded by lineage and approach. I think, you know, the days of that have actually gone. I could understand it in the past, uh, so. the, yeah, and, and almost certainly before uh, before the age of the internet. But now that we have YouTube, if you want to find information, you you know it's very easy to find it. Yep. So, uh,
0: as a as a side note, guys, um, please go ahead. Right after you we finish this podcast, go ahead and check out Sifu Mark's uh, YouTube channel. You're gonna find a lot, a lot of very. Uh, Simple easy to use information. I was very impressed with uh, with what they're doing. So uh, the channel is called fight science and um, Yeah, you know regarding what you said sharing information is very very important what we do here in Bucharest. We basically combine the um, uh, Concepts in Wing Chun with personal development. So people you know, they also improve their lives not just not just self-defense, but basically improve themselves a lot easier and what we talk about a lot is approach things from an abundance perspective not from a scarcity perspective so yeah. when you're doing that of course you're going to want to share more of what you know and what you have because you're going to get a lot more of that so i think yeah and now actually i wanted to ask you because i know you're training in brazilian jiu-jitsu as well right yes yes how, how did that help your Wing Chun and how did you decide to get out of that? Um, or maybe you were training as well Judo before, right? Um, how did you decide to get into Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu as well?
1: Right, this is a really interesting story. Well, funny enough, I, yes, I was training Judo as a young lad. Uh, and what happened was we were in the early, I think it was 2003, we were teaching uh in Los Angeles and uh, we were visiting lots of MMA schools and Brazilian jiu-jitsu places. And uh, I always, always had the opinion that, you know, I had a good grounding in in groundwork. And I must admit, I was one of the, one of the uh, people that say, yeah, I'm fine. I can, you know, you've got to get me to the ground. And, and, uh, you know, I was very, very staunch. You've got to think this is my career. This is what I do. I don't know anything other than Wing Chun. So, uh, basically I had an eye-opener to, to be honest with you I did have an eye-opener I've always been a very open to exploring my weaknesses and one of the things I mentioned in my last video uh, on uh, on our YouTube channel was that people will always find your weakness and no matter what your weakness is it will come out under pressure and if you know and in the context of self-defense uh, and defending yourself, if your weakness is being able to fight on the ground, then then you know you're going to be unlucky enough and and, and more than likely going to end up on the ground. And uh, I didn't want to be one of those Sifu's that basically hid behind the adage that whatever you do, stand up, you can apply on the ground. Uh, you know, Wing Chun's complete all-rounded style of ground fighting, and I know there are styles. Uh, communities within Wing Chun that have a groundwork aspect to what they do but you know Brazilian jiu-jitsu specializes in grappling that's generally what they do so they've got the same amount of time and effort that we put into stand up into the ground and and vice versa Uh, in other words their stand up is less the proportion is a lot less than what they do on the ground and ours is the reverse so it made sense so for me uh, I, I started training because I thought I owed it to my students that have a complete well-rounded knowledge uh, and that's why I started training. And I'll be honest with you, I didn't like it. I I didn't like it. It was, was, to me, it took me about a year to get used to the idea of just being pinned on the ground and smothered and, you know, worse if you added strikes. But it took a long, long time. Uh, And in fact, I resisted it for a while because a lot of my colleagues uh when chun teachers that is were uh, were training before i was and they kept saying look you should really come down and do some training with us and i said no yeah it's fine it's fine you know I'm, I'm okay i'm fine you know being the top top guy anyway in our association also no no i don't need to i'm fine and then as i said we went to the states and then i thought oh okay maybe i should do something <laughs> and then uh, yeah and as i said it took me about a year to get over it uh you know, just plodding. And that's a classic, harping back to one of the questions earlier about wanting to give up. I mean, I could have given up. I could have said, okay, uh, you know, I don't need to do this. And I don't. I didn't. I, You know, I, I teach a successful in school. Uh, you know, I'm quite highly ranked. I don't need to start as a beginner as, as something that was new. Yeah. But I, I enjoyed it. I actually enjoyed... I didn't like the physicality at first, as I said, because it's a completely different experience being smothered. Mm-hmm. Uh, sometimes mm-hmm. not being able to breathe mm-hmm. is very difficult. But having said that, uh, I enjoyed learning something and being a student. And I'm, I am an individual that always likes to learn. And, and even now in Wun Chun, if I meet someone from another Wing Chun family, I'll always say to them, oh, what do you do? Explain to me about your Wing Chun. I'm more interested in finding about what they do and how they train. Yeah. Uh, and telling them what I do, uh, because to me, you know, why lose the opportunity to to find out what other people do? So that's how and why I got into into jujitsu. And years later, I didn't give up. Uh, you know,
0: Are you enjoying it now?
1: Yes, actually, uh, I do. Uh, I, you know, it would have been nice to take it up when I was younger, because I'm I am older, shall I say? Uh, so my body doesn't wear the same way as it would have done if I was a lot younger, but you know, it's, yeah, I really enjoy it.
0: So how did that contribute to your Wing Chun training? What Did you um, did you start training differently from then or did you start seeing um, uh, things um, in a new way?
1: I think this is a good question, actually, because sometimes people say to me, did you incorporate it or have you incorporated it into your Wing Chun? And I always say no, actually, because I don't cross Wing Chun with Jiu-Jitsu. Mm-hmm. I really am against that and that's very strange because i am very open-minded in the mm-hmm. sense that you know when i was learning to you know when i had to deal with boxes my philosophy is quite simple if you want to be able to defend against a specific style or martial you art you have to train whatever, with that style exactly exactly yeah. and you don't have to be an expert you know but you have to do it to understand it otherwise how are you you can't sit Say, for example, you want to do, you know, you're a Wing Chun guy, but you want to learn how to, to beat a boxer. Yeah. Well, unless you actually box, you're never going to learn how to beat a boxer because you just you can't just form look at what you do and formulate it. It has to be, you know, you actually have to experience it. So, yeah. you know, I had to learn over the many, many years, I've had to learn how to box, how to kick, how to wrestle, how to do jiu-jitsu, how to throw. Luckily, I already had a background in that anyway, so it was easy to, come, to return to that. Uh but has it affected my wind churn? I think it hasn't affected my technique training uh, and it hasn't affected my my uh, way that I train. But I do think it's affected my thinking in the sense that I'm much more willing to challenge uh, myself and I'm not so hung up on if, for example, I'm training with a, a student. I was training with one of my instructors the other day. We were doing some TCR uh You know, and he was doing some good work. He was hitting me. And and I know a lot of people would be, wow, you got hit. But to me, it's not such a big deal because it's part of the process of learning. You know, I've sometimes got to let people do what they do. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I would be better for it. If I let my student, uh, and he's an instructor, and he's a very, very good instructor. He's been with me for, I think, 17, 18 years now. So he's been with me for a long time. And he runs a couple of schools, and he's got lots of students. And, and, yeah, why don't I let him train and try and hit me? And if he hits me, good for me. Good for me. I yeah. something.
0: You know, a lot of people, a lot of especially Wing Chun um, I hear these stories, and um, I felt it as well. Um, you know, they don't teach so much because what if uh, my student becomes better than, um, than me? Well, you know, what's the point of actually teaching then if you yeah. don't want your students to become better than you actually, right? right. Why, why don't you change your job or do something else? You know, I can understand the
1: perspective, but... I, I, can, I mean, I, I will add, though, uh, one of the things I do say a lot to people is that I'm only as good as my students. Mm. And if my students aren't very good, I'm not doing my job. My job, like anybody else who has a job, uh, is to to do the best I can of whatever I'm doing, and the best I can in my sense is to produce good students. And I expect my students to be better than me, and I tell them that all the time. I don't expect my students to be worse than me, and I certainly wouldn't train or hold back any information. In fact, I'm the complete yeah. opposite. Yeah. You know, Sometimes yeah. I tell them too much, and they say, look, can you just, you know, you just give me time <laughs> to digest the first bit. I'm only, I'm only literally, if I don't produce good students, then it's like being a master craftsman. If I was a master craftsman or a painter, I'd take pride in my, my work in producing a sculpture or a painting. Why would I be any different teaching students Wing Chun? So my students have to be better than me because otherwise I'm not doing my job. And, and I, I do see that, But I think those people, uh, are come to teaching and it's not just Wing Chun, but any martial art for the wrong reasons they come to teaching because they uh maybe lack of personality or they have a persona that that requires that so you know it manifests
0: and i think we're coming back to that scarcity versus uh, abundance uh, mentality because um uh, you know i i used to think that way as well you know what if my student becomes better than than me but now, after having some experience and um, having some um, some things happen to me, I understand that if my student doesn't feel that they're improving under my uh, in my school, they should look for someone else. You know, they should not stop there, continue their growth. Why should I be the one uh, holding them back? You know, in any way. Awesome. Um, uh, please, please tell us the, uh, story from the smile, uh, about the smile, because uh, anyone watching your videos, they're going to immediately notice <laughs> your smile after, uh, every time you're, uh, you teaching something new.
1: The smile is quite natural. Is I get a lot of questions and people ask me, oh, is that a fake smile? Why do you smile? But actually I smile all the time. And, uh, there's actually a video of me sparring in 1991, uh, there's quite a few videos, actually, in, on our channel. And you'll see me smiling all the way through that. I'm just a natural, smiley person. I'll be honest with you because I don't believe it comes back to this persona of being a teacher. Yeah, My job is to teach and educate people, to help them, to be a, a sequel is isn't someone that dominates you. That's why I don't like the phrase master. Mm-hmm. I, I don't guard myself as a master, and I'm not a master over another person. What I am is a mentor. I'm a friend, a mentor. And someone and a role model that's gonna that's gonna help a young student, you know, develop not just in in the Wing Chun community and martial arts sense, but also as a person, as an individual, to be a good person in society. So, you know, part of that process is being being natural, being approachable, and not being taking yourself too seriously. Yeah, and I, I think that's one of the experiences that I can say over the many years. You know, you have your ups and downs. Uh, I've had you know, many ups and downs. I've had injuries. Uh, you know, I've had uh, times when I've really had to train quite hard. But one of the things that you learn is that at the end of the day, if you're a teacher, that's, that's your job. You're there to, to mentor, help, and, and be a good person. So I don't like this uh, standing there tough guy image because at the end of the day, you know, even if someone attacks me in the street, and I have to defend myself. I will do everything I can to protect myself and my family, but it's not personal. Mm-hmm. It, it's, not, it's not. I'm just put in that situation, and I have to do that, but it's, it's it's not personal. So that's why I don't do the tough guy image. I smile. I have a bit of fun with it. Uh, I'm obviously courteous. I so, you know we, we we don't we don't step over the line, but you know that that's that's my thoughts and feelings. Awesome. Awesome.
0: Great. Okay, Um, so um, if you could share only one lesson with your students, what would that be?
1: Well, it harks back to what I said earlier. I think definitely don't compare yourselves to other people. Mm -hmm. Uh, That's the worst thing that you can ever do because if everybody advances at different rates, everybody moves differently to a certain degree, thinks differently, even emotionally Mm -hmm. copes with pressure in a, in a different way and I, I feel that a lot of students what they do is they compare themselves uh, with other students and worse sometimes even with me they compare themselves to me and let's just use me as an example I trained six days a week uh, as I said you know, uh, what six days a week six hours a day for a ten-year block solid I, I, you know I didn't stop training up before the ten years and after the ten years I continued training, but that's when I, you know, put the bulk of my work in, if you like. So I did that for a ten-year period—not one week, not six months, not one year, but ten years. Hmm. Now, here's the point: that if someone wants to to compare themselves to me, that is, they can't because it's just they can't catch up with that breadth of experience. Uh, and I'm not saying that I'm I'm necessarily better. It's just experience, it's time. You just you just can't do that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So I think scaling it down to students, when they compare themselves to other students, they're forgetting that uh, they're doing themselves a disservice because you always want to think about yourself. Mm-hmm. You know how you're improving and what you're having to overcome. And that's the thing. Some people, the average person, you know, they have a daytime job, they have families. They have a lot, a lot of responsibilities. Uh, you know, if you're a student, even a young student, you've got school, education. Education is a big thing with my, with me. With my young students, I always tell them homework comes first. You know, studying comes first. This, you can train any time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, I guess what I'm trying to say is, with all of these distractions, if you're comparing yourself to other people and you have these distractions, you're doing yourself a disservice. And you know, there's other variables, your age. Uh, it's not just your responsibilities, but there's
0: lots of things. Um, and I think it's very, very important, you know, not just in uh, in Wing Chun, in, in the school, also in life, because we tend to do that. You know, what if, but they, this other person is better off, they make more money than me and so on and so forth.
1: Yeah. Awesome.
0: So we have a bonus question from uh, one of our subscribers. And um, this one comes from Adrian and he's asking, Uh, Seeing that I find myself with restricted time to get to class due to the nature of my work, my question is, what are some great routines that you can do at home without a wooden dummy or partner to train with, besides doing the form and uh, shifts and stepping?
1: (laughs) Well, the funny thing is, I would have said, sense line punching and footwork training are the best things you can do without a doubt and the reason why I say that is because if you think about centerline punching the chain punch action it's the basic movement of most of the shapes that we do in Wing Chun so if you're training that you're getting the muscle memory of two hand. because if you think about Wing Chun Wing Chun is a style of two hand coordination we don't block with one arm and punch with the other In other words, we don't do one movement, wait a second, and then punch with the other. We tend to do a lot of actions simultaneously, like lap sound punch and pop punch and tan da and so on. So whenever you're doing centerline punching, you're essentially always doing two hands simultaneously because you've got one hand punching, one hand recovering with your whole self. So so I, I, I think I get this from my students, and I always say, Uh, central line punching footwork you cannot do enough of it now because you're because this is a bonus question and that was the the question was besides that then I'm gonna give a bonus answer (laughs) (laughs) and the the bonus answer I would say would be shadow sparring shadow sparring that would be the ideal thing Mm -hmm. but there's two types of shadow sparring Uh, there's two types There's what I refer to as shadow sparring for muscle memory And then there's shadow sparring for visualization. Right. Visualization is very different because what you're doing is you're visualizing a response to your movement and therefore uh, compounding a response to that movement. So in other words, you're doing a larp strike and the person you're imagining the person's blocking the larp strike and then you're countering that with with maybe a park dar or a low kick or something. Uh, And that's one way. Another way of, of, uh, which is less, requires less ability and less mental focus is uh, for repetition. So shadow sparring, simply for muscle memory and repetition, you put two or three techniques together and you practice it and you put it together. So without a doubt, over and above uh, punching footwork training, which I highly recommend, uh, definitely 100%, I would say, shadow sparring. Uh, would make a fundamental difference. In fact, that's what I spent a lot of my time and still do career doing. Awesome.
0: Awesome. That's a great, great answer. Thank you. That about wraps it up. Um, Sifu, Phillips, thank you very much for your time and uh, your wisdom.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: I had a great time. Guys, be sure to check out uh, Fight Science, the uh, YouTube channel, and of course, uh, go to addictedtowingchan.com for some awesome stuff, and I'll see you next time in the next episode.